Every year as the Torah comes to a close of the second of the five books of Moshe, known as Shmot or names, but really Exodus, it brings us into the, the tabernacle story, the story of the Mishkan, that portable presence in the desert. The Torah dedicates no less than four full parshiyot to talking about the sanctuary. The detailed directions given by God to Moses and the people. And given that that amount of textual territory has been given to the tabernacle, the significance of the project can't be underestimated. And yet, as I've said here in the past, we're one to follow the flow of the narrative from Genesis to Exodus, from Canaan to Egypt, from the patriarchal families that descend to slave enslavement to the nation that arose to freedom through the waters of Yam Suf, the Reed Sea. One would not likely have seen it coming. Sure, the revelation at Sinai was foreshadowed in the Torah when Moses says to Pharaoh, we're going to worship on that mountain. And it also makes sense. We were slaves, and now we get directions on how to live a holy life. But what gives with the Mishkan? Like, what's up with the tabernacle? What's the narrative motive? What is the possible theme line? They're at Sinai and out of nowhere build a tabernacle. Okay, that's interesting. And not only is it interesting, but it takes up the entirety of the last half of the second book, which deals with slavery and liberation and the story of our people's redemption, and then the tabernacle. It doesn't fit. What's the tabernacle got to do with Exodus? Okay. Some have said that the tabernacle's purpose is to be kind of a miniature Sinai, almost like a souvenir. Once they left Sinai, they had to bring <laughs> the tabernacle with them. Maybe more profoundly, it's the moment or the locus of revelation happens at Sinai so intensely and so they're enjoined like to bring it with them into their lives, into their future. Okay. There are some commentators who say that the tabernacle's purpose is a concession to the Israelites' need for something more concrete than an abstract God whose voice they heard at Sinai. They needed something to hold on to. And instead of making golden calves, maybe we'll give them a golden altar. Great. But in this week's Torah reading, we're offered a bit of a deeper look, I think, into the raison d'etre of the Mishkan, and now, it has always held a bigger purpose in our goal to live a holy life. And in order to understand it, we have to know that tomorrow morning's parsha, the reading tomorrow morning, which is the beginning of the end of the book of Exodus, as I said, begins oddly. Moshe gathers the people around by Akel Moshe. Moshe brings Kilah, brings the community together. And if you're reading the first verse tomorrow morning, you're thinking he's bringing them together to say, okay, now that we have all the directions, and now that we know exactly what to do, we're about to do it, everybody. That's why he's bringing it together. But the Torah doesn't say that. Moses brings the people together to talk about the construction of the tabernacle and then begins with Shabbat. It begins with Shabbat. We interrupt the absolute dedication and construction of the tabernacle to give you verses on what it is to keep Shabbat. Make sure you don't burn any fire in your in your settlements and where you live, Moshe gives them Shabbat. 
how are we to understand this strange opening? The rabbis of the Talmud understand this, that this is the classic example of the categories of forbidden work on Shabbat in the future are all based in the categories of permitted work in the tabernacle. Isn't that obvious to all of you? I know all of you are thinking, wow, I would have come up with that also. Like, yeah. From here we see the 39 categories of law that are def definitionally part of what it was to build the Mishkan. Those become the categories of work that we're not supposed to do on Shabbat. Okay. Works. I think it's something else. I think Shabbat's placement at the very beginning of the end of the building of the Mishkan tells us something about the nature of Shabbat, the nature of building a Mishkan, and fundamentally and lastly about what it is to leave Egypt once and for all. And Moses commanded and said, let a voice go out into the camp. Ish v'isha, woman and man, don't do one more thing, for the sake of a gift for the tabernacle. And the people stopped bringing. At the heart of the narrative of the final moment of building the Mishkan in the desert, this tabernacle whose purpose, whose deeper purpose, not yet sure, there's a yearning, a desire from the people to bring as much as they can. They can't stop. Once the floodgates have opened, once the spigot has been turned on, they just bring and they bring a capital campaign worthy of the greatest capital campaigns that have ever been run. Just the whisper of it. And all of a sudden, it was enough is enough. Enough is enough. Moshe sends out a messenger and says, stop. Too much. Chapter 36, verse 7, And the Mlacha, what they brought was the word, you can hear it from the Passover Seder, Dayam, Dayenu. What they brought was Day, it was enough. It was so much, it was enough. And then the last word, it was enough, and extra, surplus. At its face, prima facie, this verse is kind of simple. Euphemistically means more than enough. It was dai and hoter, extra. But for the commentators throughout the last 2,000 years, they got caught on that phrase. Was it dai enough or was it extra? If it was extra, it wasn't enough. It was more than enough. Was it enough or was it more than enough? Now, you might say to me, oh, please. It just means there was enough and there was left over. But for the rabbis of the Talmud, the Midrash, Kabbalah, Hasidism, the last 2,000 years, they have struggled to understand the paradox of something that can be enough, but then more than enough. I remember, and there was a point in the last couple of years, Ariel, my wife knows, and people in the shul know that I was obsessed with the greatest shulman, the show, the great showman. It was a I, it wasn't a slip, I was joking, but the greatest sh showman. I gave a sermon on Kol Nidre, right? About that intense moment at the end of the movie where from now on,
from now on at the heart of all change. There's a moment where we say from now on it will be different from now on. And there's a song that I don't know people have seen the movie. I'm sure Eden has seen a thousand times could tell us about it. Where one of the characters sings a song called Never Enough. Anybody know that song? Ever hear that song? Never enough, never, never, never enough, never, never. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it will never be enough. This song sung by this character, at least to some extent is a song of an empty ghost, a, a sense that no matter how many times she or anyone would be on stage, it would never be enough adulation, enough adoration, enough applause. It could never ever fill the, the hole at the center of the soul that can't ever, ever be filled by that which is really not what it's looking for. Never enough. Stars and golden globes and Olympic medals, it would never be enough. If I'm empty in my core, it won't be enough. At the heart of the Mishkan project is a desire to give and to give and to give. At the heart of the human project, of the creation project, the tabernacle, we're told, is a microcosm of the world itself. It uses the same language in the Torah as God's creation of the world in the first chapter of Genesis. To build the tabernacle is nothing less than to build the world just as God herself did. And at the heart of this build the world project is the recognition that people want to keep building and they will keep building until some leader, someone strong enough who knows that to build and build and build, to always say it can't ever be big enough, strong enough, gold enough, gorgeous enough, perfect enough. I can't ever have my name on enough buildings in gold. That kind of insatiable hunger at the heart of an empty ghost is dangerous. It subverts the Mishkan project. It undermines it, it undoes it. Someone who doesn't know how to say enough, someone who's never heard that you know you can ruin a thing if you keep adding to it. And not only that, it will never stop. When will you be rich enough, strong enough, Secure enough, right enough. You'll spend your whole life and it will never ever be enough because it couldn't ever be enough. The rabbis say in the Talmud that God's, one of God's holiest names is Shaddai, Shin Dalad Yud Shaddai. Anybody ever hear that Shaddai, that name Shaddai? Probably from the ancient Semitic word for breast, it is. God as nourishing, God as giving. But the rabbis play with that word and say, it's actually an acronym for Sha'amar Le'olami Dai. That God said to the world enough. And in the rabbi's imagination, the world was mitpashet. It was going and going and going. God began to create and God's infinity said, it's going to create infinitely. And then God had to scream, says the Talmud, and say, okay, enough. Enough. Shabbat is that day when we say we've had enough. At the heart of the Mishkan 
at the heart and the beginning of this week's Torah portion when Moses is about to tell them all about how to build the world, how to build a society, a culture, build a family, build your career and your resume. Moshe says, make sure you have Shabbat first. Because if you have Shabbat at the heart of your life, the principle of Shabbat, Shabbat that says what you have when Shabbat comes in on Friday night, that's what you have when Shabbat goes out on Saturday night. You're not hoarding on Shabbat. You're not asking for more on Shabbat. You're not buying and building. You're focusing on the things that you want more of in your life that you should be amassing. Friends, family, stopping. That ambition can kill us. Or in Heschel's term, without Shabbat, if we don't turn from the works of creation, we only create work. And all of life becomes commodified. Everything is another moment for us to gather in and place on our infinite ladder towards nowhere. So, of course, as we begin to build the Mishkan, Moshe says, stop, everybody. Make sure you have die, you have enough. Make sure you don't get lost in the world of Mishkan building. But sure, Mishkan building is key. Hotel, there is more. It won't be enough for you only to have enough. You'll work during the week. You'll want to work. You'll want to grow. You'll want to expand. But if you don't have Shabbat, if you don't have some principle that grounds you underneath it all, then you will always be a slave. The end of the book of Exodus ends with a Mishkan to teach us that just as we went down into slavery from the land of Canaan, If we want to go up out of slavery, we have to go up with a sacred tabernacle with Shabbat at the center. Because if we leave Egypt only to serve all the other forces that will rob us of our dignity and of our humanity, then we are also still slaves. Shabbat is political warfare, to use Audrey Lord's term. It is the ultimate self-care of our human image and our divine possibility. And so, of course, it's going to end that way, everybody. Mishkan building invites that. It's hard not to think, as we watch yet another megalomaniac, yet another man drunk on power, yet another leader who puts more at the center of everything that he has done, who sees danger everywhere and yet another nation to usurp with all of the political and complicated nuances of the geopolitical realities, we are at our hearts seeing what happens to the human being when they do not know when to say enough, when to rest in this teaching of our Torah. All that is sacred, all that is holy to us is being violated at each moment as we sit here. And its repercussions, its profound repercussions, its ramifications, seen and unseen, will ripple to all of us. And the Torah screams to us, build the world. Build it. Conquer the world. But put Shabbat at the center. Put love and God and compassion and the values of the sacred at the center, or you will be eaten or eaten alive by your greed, your ego, your ambition, 
your insatiable appetite for never enough, never enough. There's a Rebbe named uh, Heschel, whom we, I just quoted, but his great-grandfather was also named Abraham Joshua Heschel. He was known as the Opta Rebbe, the Oiv Yisrael. And he said that when he came to this Daiva Hotel, that it was enough, and then there was lecture left over, he said, much of what I just told you. And then he added this. He said, another meaning of it was enough and there was left over is that in each and every generation, each of us does what we can do. But no matter what we do, we can't finish the work. And there will be leftover. And that leftover will be up to the next generation to come along and pick it up and finish what we've started. The tabernacle was enough but there's always room for others to join and become partners in building a world. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that what it's all about? I know that tonight, all of our hearts and minds are in the global realities. But I also think in my own personal life, I sometimes ask myself, where have my ambitions for more gotten in the way of my being in Shabbat? This was a week for Romamu in our local community where some programs that I ambitiously wanted to see Romamu manifest have unfortunately, well, we won't be able to keep going with some of them. You'll learn about that in the coming week. Nothing horrible, everybody. We're okay. But I see clearly Lahavdil that sometimes I got ahead of myself. I also wanted more. More for me, more for this community, more for Jewish renewal, more for God and the world through Ramimu. And I learned a lesson that, you know, not everything that you want to have happen in the world has to happen through you. There are a lot of things that have to happen in the world that we need one another to make manifest. And when God said to the world in our myth, enough, it wasn't just that God said enough as an expression of enoughness, but also enough because from here on, I'm giving it to you guys. I can't do what all God says. I need your partnership. That the tabernacle at its heart is a project not of human despair, but of the possibility of lifting one another to do the work. We don't want to do all the work because then there would be nothing left for us to do together. The asuli mikdash, make it together. God says. So Moshe began with Shabbat, and so it is. May the blessings of Shabbat, this Shabbat, bring a, a modicum of comfort to us as we hold this space in recognition of the radically profound ways that saying enough can change our world and the world around us, yet holding also the imperative to do more to help those who need, holding them in our hearts this Shabbat and pledging to do what we can to bring about a world that is truly built on chesed, on loving kindness. Please rise if you are able.